Hey friends, you're listening to OKY. I'm your host, Michael Grove. Today is January 25th, my friends, and we're here in the Bible reading plan. Remember, been reading through one chapter a day as much as possible. And so we'll continue on that journey today, reading in Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable, because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, We don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied. Because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, You take charge of five cities. Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you are a hard man. You take out what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, Take his mina away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. Sir, they said, he already has ten. He replied, I tell you that to everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. 
as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Say, The Lord needs it. Those who were sent on ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embarkment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple. But the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. Yet they could not find any way to do it, because all the people hung on his words. This concludes the reading of Luke chapter 19. Let me give you a quick thought before we end our time together. Okay, so I want to take this story, the parable of the ten minus, and kind of unfold that for just a moment. Obviously, we know this is a story about Jesus. But let me give you some of the nuances inside this story that might make it a little bit more meaningful and impactful to you. So let me break this down. This is the story of a man who goes off to a distant land to have himself appointed as king. Now, right away, you start to think, oh, I get it. Jesus came from heaven in order to be the appointed king who sits on the throne. Well, the piece that you might be missing is that Jesus already was seated on the throne. Jesus existed from the very beginning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit created the world. He sat on the throne the entire time. He is Lord of all creation. So what is this parable talking of? Well, it's something a little deeper. So in that day, the people listening to Jesus would have understood this concept of a man going off to a distant land in order to be appointed king. Now, to us, that doesn't make very much sense. But to Luke's audience, it would have made a lot of sense. This is the story of people living under the Roman Empire. 
and the Roman Empire was divided into many provinces. Some of those provinces were directed by governors appointed by Rome, but they were accountable to the emperor who were Romans. Now, in all of these provinces, the preferred way of the Roman government wasn't to have to figure it out on their own, but to appoint certain people to be kings over their province. That way, they could rule through those people as puppets. They would allow those kings to feel like they're in control, and they would have the support of their own province, yet it was the emperor who was really in charge. So when they heard this story, when Jesus was telling this parable, and he says that a man left for a distant land in order to be appointed as king, they understood what that meant. They likely all would have had to deal with someone who left, went to the Roman emperor, got appointed as king, and then came back to rule over them. This wasn't some abstract story. This was a very relatable understanding of someone who is trying to rule when people don't want them to rule. In fact, most of the time, this person was despised by their own people because they sold out to the Roman emperor. They abused their own power and on top of that, followed rules and laws and customs that were enforced by the Roman empire altogether. So this was somebody that would have been despised. Okay, put that into Jesus' terms. Now, he has been traveling with his disciples on the way to Jerusalem. He has been explaining to them over the last several months that he is heading to a land that will despise him and hate him. In fact, he's already told them that he would be crucified right there in Jerusalem. So when Jesus is telling this story, He's actually relating himself, not to the person who goes to the Roman Empire to be put into power, but to the way they would have been treated or despised by the people they came to rule over. This is Jesus acknowledging that people don't really want a savior. They don't really want to do what's right or to have someone just that's in authority. They want their own way. So the people listening heard this story, and just thought of that person who would go off to the Roman Empire and would come back to try to rule as king, even though they didn't want him as king. I mean, Jesus even says those words in verse 14. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. So when Jesus is telling this part of the story, everyone listening gets it. They understand. They can relate with these subjects who are so frustrated and annoyed that they would do anything to keep the man from becoming their king. Okay, so then you have the fact that this man left with his servants a mina. Now, this wasn't a particular money. This was an amount of money. In fact, scholars say this is what was measured as a three-month's wage. Because this was the amount of time it took for someone to travel to Rome to be appointed as king and then to return. So you could put this into today's context by simply thinking what a three months wage would be for you. The point Jesus is making is that they had every resource they needed for while he was gone in order to produce something before he returned. But when he comes back, one of the people decided he did not want to do anything with his time and the wage that he had, 
and so he wasted it. So this newly appointed king says to him, you've wasted this, you wicked servant. Even says, you knew that I was a hard man taking out what I did not put in and reaping what I did not sow? Why then didn't you put the money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? In other words, you completely floundered this. You wasted it altogether. You didn't allow this time to produce anything of worth. Then he ends this parable by saying, The man replied, I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Now listen to this part. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. This is a story that Jesus is telling about those who oppose Jesus as king. There's a sense in this culture today that doesn't want God to be Lord of all things. In fact, they'll look at all the things that they say are rules or laws or limitations to how God wants people to live, and they will reject him saying they have a better way of their own. Then they waste all of their time and money on things that don't really even matter. And in the end, it brings nothing of life. It only produces death. This is the story Jesus is telling. He's saying himself as the king was appointed by a kingdom much greater and bigger that today people do not even want to acknowledge as being in charge. See, the Jews of that time were in opposition with the Roman government. That's why they wanted Jesus to come and restore the power to them, that he would just overturn the Roman government and then put them back in charge. Their thought was Jesus was coming to save them by making them rulers. That's why he told this story. Look at verse 11. It says that the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. In other words, they thought Jesus was going to flip the tables around and allow the Jews to be in charge and get rid of the Roman government. They didn't like the fact that there was a different way of doing things. They wanted it their own way. That's why Jesus is telling this story. He's trying to show them God's way, the kingdom that he comes from, is better than the way of this world. But you have to be willing to submit to the king the true king who is appointed by someone beyond our own understanding, that God the Father sent Jesus here, and whether we like it or not, it's to restore things back to the way the kingdom of heaven was supposed to be. Anyone who takes this time to submit to the Lord and do things his way will be blessed with more. Anyone who rejects the Lord and decides to do things their own way will have nothing left for them, and will not inherit eternal life. So this parable is about listening to the Lord and chasing after the things of Him so that we can have His full life for us. And do you know the people that were the most stubborn to this in Jesus' day? His own people, the Jews. So what happens next? He rides up to where he can see Jerusalem, and once again, only the second time recorded in the Bible, Jesus weeps. He cries over a city as he says to them, If you, 
even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. Because they denied acknowledging Jesus as the one true king, because they chose to turn their back on the kingdom of God, they would not find the peace of God and would see destruction. So here's what we should learn. God sent Jesus not to do things our way or to make it okay for us to have the things that we want or hope for. God sent Jesus to rule as a ruler from a different kingdom, not a kingdom that we all understand or know, not a kingdom that we ourselves even wanted, but a kingdom that is right and just. And if we will submit to that kingdom, we will understand the blessed life. But if we choose to deny it, we will only understand heartbreak and destruction. So, submit wholeheartedly to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and allow Him to fill your life with peace. That's all the time we have left for today. I love you, and God bless. 